Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, but real quick before we get to them, I have to tell you about Certified Piedmontese because this is a brand I am so excited about. In fact, I will never forget the first time I had Certified Piedmontese. The crown jewel of my initial visit to Casa Bovina was a beautiful rib cap that was so lean and tender, it was almost silky in texture. The moment that beef hit my taste buds, I was hooked. These animals are raised all natural on a network of family ranches across the Midwest, so Certified Piedmontese is able to cut out the middleman and buy directly from the source. And while I highly encourage you to check out Casa Bovina, you can savor this beef at home, too. Whether you order off Piedmontese.com or by calling one 800 414-3487, your purchase will be shipped directly to your front door. Plus, when you use my discount code HOPPEN, H-O-P-P-E-N, you get 25% off your order. How can you beat that? So what are you waiting for? Get some steaks, burgers, bacon, or other meats and experience the certified Piedmontese difference for yourself today. And now, to my guest. Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. I'm your host, Dan Hoppin, and... I think this is just going to be a awesome episode today. I think it's going to be a really educational episode and just a chance to talk about some different types of cooking and baking that we normally don't feature on the show. And I want to start this podcast by saying something very important. I am not a vegan and I don't have any dietary complications or restrictions. I just love good food and that's why Veg Edible has my full attention. So yes, the food that is being offered by this pop-up is vegan in addition to being gluten-free and nut-free, but that does not mean that it's only for people who have those dietary preferences. Anyone can enjoy this delicious food as long as you have taste buds. That is probably the most important thing. My first experiences with Veg Edible were so memorable that I just had to meet the people behind it. And today I'm getting a chance to do that on the show. My guests are owner Stacy Van Cleve and her partner Matt Hyde. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey Dan, thanks for having us. Thank you. It's good to be here. All right, so just to start off, in case someone is hearing about Veg Edible for the first time, or maybe they've seen you on social media but haven't had your food, how would you describe Veg Edible to someone who isn't familiar with the business yet? So Veg Edible is 100% vegan, gluten-free. We don't use nuts except for coconut, and we always have soy-free options available. We are a pop-up, so we work out of Kitchen Council in Council Bluffs. And we do, we do pop-ups all over the place. We do catering, um, meal prep. We have 10 retailers across Omaha that sell our baked goods. Um, we're here for questions or if people need just like a plate for a wedding or a guest that has restrictions, we're here for them. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you guys just have so many things going on. Everything you just mentioned, I mean, you, you know, you can just walk into several different businesses. We were just talking off the mics about Zen Coffee. If you go into Zen Coffee, you can find edge edible products. If you go into um, Edge of the Universe, uh, you, you have cake slices and, and different treats in there. I mean, it's just kind of all over the place. I would highly encourage anyone listening who's interested, follow Veg Edible on Instagram. Um, that's probably, I would say, the best way to stay up to date with everything you got going on. You've also got a pretty robust website that has stuff on there as well. So good thing to note. Before we even get to the food, though, I want to talk a little bit about you two and just the way that I saw your relationship described. I, th- I think it was on an Instagram post, Stacey. Is you said that you're not only partners in the kitchen, but in life. So how did you guys meet? What's the backstory here? 
Tinder. Uh, Tinder. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, Tinder. He asked me, Fall Out Boy or Brand New, which are two of my favorite bands. I have Fall Out Boy tattoos all over my arm. And I had actually uninstalled the Tinder app for a while. When I logged back in to, like, catch up on my messages, that one specifically caught my eye and my heart. Yeah. So, and we're both in the food industry our whole lives. Um, We love the same music. We love, like, all the same stuff. So it's easy to work together in the kitchen and do life together. How long have you two been doing Veg Edible together? Like, were you in on the ground floor, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Started in my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So literally, yes, the yeah. ground floor. Um, Three years? Two legally? Because you, you yeah. started in the pandemic or during the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's when it got serious. Okay. Now something I think, obviously there's a lot of things about your business that make them very unique, but I think one of them, at least to me, and this became even more crystal clear as I went through doing my research through your Instagram posts and stuff is most of the guests I have on here have like a special, a speciality when it comes to food that might be breakfast food or steakhouse fare, Italian cooking, ice cream, what have you. You guys like run the gamut of different foods. I mean, your baking is very, very impressive, but you've also done pop-ups featuring Asian cuisine, burgers, mac and cheese, tacos, breakfast food, pasta. I mean, it's all over the place. If it's, if it's a style of food, you guys will try and make it. So I guess I'm just curious, as you're coming up with the concept for Veg Edible, instead of just focusing on one or two cuisines, what was your strategy behind like continuing to expand and always try new things? So I think there's two parts to that answer. I come from the corporate world and I was constantly told like you can't do this or that's not a good idea or that won't sell. And the whole point of having my own business is nobody can tell me what to do. (laughs) (laughs) So and the second part of that is we've had a lot of bad vegan food, a lot of bad vegan gluten free food and I'll have something and I'll take it all in and then I'll say, I can do this better. And then we do it better. All the different types of cuisines, I think, is also part of the broader concept of something for everyone. It's kind of, we just, we like taking everybody's favorite things and just making them vegan gluten-free. So... No one else is doing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very true. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head right there, Stacy. And I think why a bunch of people, I don't know if a bunch of people is right, but there is a, there's a part of the eating population that doesn't think vegan food can be as good as non-vegan food because if they've tried it, it at most restaurants, it's not very good. Usually there's maybe two or three items on a menu that are just kind of there at the bottom of the menu, like as placeholders, just in case there's a dining party and one person happens to be vegan, well, you got to have something for them. It's always a salad too. Yes. Without dressing or like fries. Yes. And it's so unfortunate. I, I love that you guys are highlighting that vegetables can be delicious. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I love meat. I think meat is awesome, but it doesn't have to be a part of someone's diet to still have delicious food. I love that you guys are being able to highlight that in a way that I feel like so many restaurants aren't. And that's not to say every restaurant isn't. There are some that legitimately try and some that do a very good job. But I think you guys are 
pushing the boundaries on it in a way that is really healthy. Um, what made you decide to start cooking this way? Not only vegan, but gluten-free, like you said, mostly nut-free and mostly, maybe not mostly, but at least partially soy-free as well. What, what inspired you to take this route? So about five years ago, I took a trip to San Diego and accidentally ate vegan the whole time because that's like normal in California. And I loved all the food that I ate. I ate at this place called Plant Power. Um, It's kind of like a vegan McDonald's, burgers, shakes, fries, the whole like branding concept is like a laugh on McDonald's. And on the flight back to Omaha, um, I watched a documentary that was recommended to me by one of the employees at Plant Power um, called What the Health. And that is a documentary um, written by Kip Anderson. He did, uh, I'm not going to remember the name of it now. Oh, Seaspiracy. Um, so basically it's a documentary between like, the correlation between like diet, disease, and dollars and how all of that is intertwined. And there was a story in that documentary that hit me really hard. Um, It was a woman who had chronic asthma. I have chronic asthma. And she was on like 14 different medications and decided to change to a vegan diet. What do you know? She got off her medication, became healthier, more active. And that just really hit me what if I went vegan and could breathe? At that time, I was on $400 worth of medications a month. And being in the service industry, we don't have insurance (laughs) unless you have it through like your parents or something. Um, So that $400 a month in inhalers and steroids and everything else that was affecting my health long-term, I wanted to eliminate that. Um, So when I got home, I cleaned out my kitchen, and I had no idea what to eat. I'm vegan now. What do I eat? (laughs) Um, So I just, like, I was a sponge to the internet. What do vegans eat? And I quickly learned that spices are really important, and protein, and substitutes for cheese and meat, and all of these things just really spiked my curiosity. And at the time, I was managing Cold Stone Creamery, so ironic, <laughs> a vegan at Cold Stone. Um, so I managed uh, a lot of younger high school students, 15, 16-year-olds, first job. And I would see them come from a, a whole school day. They probably didn't eat breakfast. They had, like, a bag of chips for lunch, went to their soccer practice or theater rehearsal, and then would come to work and order DoorDash order like McDonald's on DoorDash or Jimmy John's and I would see them just like scarf down this really unhealthy food so I experimented meal prepping for them I would charge them five dollars for this like microwavable meal that was vegan and super nutrient dense and get their feedback about it and it just took off from there wow (laughs) I did not know that backstory at all. Matt, at what point did you kind of enter the picture here? Well, we uh, we both were out of work 
for a little bit and we were at home and we needed stuff to do. We needed stuff to eat for ourselves. We weren't, it was one of those periods where it was like, even going to the grocery store was like a mission. Height of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So having meals in the kitchen for us too was super important and that kind of, uh, pushed my own my own path into veganism too being able to have Stacy feed me three meals a day for months on end before I started cooking for myself again and it's just kind of snowballed from there Matt wasn't vegan when I met him and I didn't force him to be vegan I just fed him <laughs> <laughs> turns out it, when you eat good food you're just like hey i yeah. like good food i'll continue eating this good food hey listeners so thanksgiving is just a few weeks away and and this is the giving season this is when everything is about food it's about family it's about coming together and i really can't think of a better way to come together and enjoy great food than with certified piedmontese just the the quality the selection of the meats that you can get from certified Piedmontese whether you're shopping online or you're stopping at the Mercado in Lincoln you cannot top the selection and just the the amount of things that you can get from certified Piedmontese whether it's beef whether it's pork whether it's chicken uh, bacon I mean there are so many different options and when you use uh, my code Hoppen, H-O-P-P-E-N, that's my last name online, you get 25% off your order. As you're gathering with your family this holiday season, make sure you do it with certified Piedmontese. And now, back to my guest. Stacy. I know, you know you're talking about being at Cold Stone and, and you're doing meal prep for, for these kids. I know that after Cold Stone, you got a chance to work front of house a little bit at, uh, at Modern Love. What was that experience? I mean, that's known as Omaha. Like, if you talk about vegan food in Omaha, like, Modern Love is the first thing that comes to mind. Also, they have a location in New York. Um, what did that experience do for you in terms of, like, opening your eyes to vegan cooking and the different things that you could potentially be capable of? So, me looking at the internet and soaking up recipes that were, like, rice and vegetables, like, boring soups, boring salads... Working there, I I learned so much. I was the front of house manager, but I was always back in the kitchen. Um, I was in charge of like the dessert station, so that probably spiked a lot of my like interest in baked goods. Um, how you can turn like cauliflower puree into gravy and like so many things that you would never think come from vegetables. Um, so working there, I absolutely loved the connection that I made with guests. Um, I was up at the host stand most of the time, seating people, checking on tables. And I felt like people that had allergies weren't necessarily taken as care of as they should have been. Um, if somebody had a nut allergy, we pretty much had to tell them, like, sorry, <laughs> It's up to you if you want to eat here. There's nuts all over our kitchen. So um, nut-free for veg edible, that is something that I took from Modern Love to go that extra mile and um, feed people that have nut allergies. Mm -hmm. 
And that's something that I've seen consistently across your website, across other interviews that you've done. You talk a lot about both that cross-contamination and ingredient transparency. Those are things that you've said you think are problems with a lot of modern kitchens or maybe not even problem is the wrong word, but just like staffs don't understand it. What do you think the challenges are with that? And how, how can we start to break that down and, and maybe make some corrections in our restaurant society? I've worked every position in a restaurant that you can think of over the course of the last 15 years. I've always been in the food industry and I completely understand from like a busser standpoint and a manager standpoint the amount of education that has to go into training people and um, making sure people know exactly what is being used and how it's being made. It's a lot, but that advocacy and communication will bring people to your restaurant to dine in. If you know what's in your food and you can safely promise that there's no gluten in it and it wasn't in a shared fryer It wasn't cut on the same cutting board. People will come to you because there are no places to eat safely. Mm -hmm. I want to get specifically into the baking that you just mentioned (laughs) because uh, your baked goods are tremendous. And it's funny. I was actually watching an old episode. My wife and I have really gotten into the Great British Bake Off (laughs) recently. Uh, I know I'm like 10 years behind on this, but I'm experiencing it for the first time. We watched an episode recently where it was vegan week and they had to cook a bunch of vegan food. And when they first announced that to the bakers, I think they would have rather had them say, we're going to cut off your right arm this week than have them say, we're (laughs) cooking vegan food. Like their eyes like just lit up. They were like, oh no, this is This is bad because, I mean, there's so much stuff in baking, especially when you're talking about gluten-free, you can't use regular flour, you can't use eggs, you can't use dairy. I mean, these are things that are prevalent in so many baked goods. How did you teach yourself to to bake this way? Because it's really extraordinary. I never wanted to be a bakery. I have a video on my Instagram recently about that because a year ago, people would ask me to make cakes and I'm like, no, I don't know how. (laughs) And like, I've decorated a million cakes. I worked at Goldstone for 12 years. I have built and decorated so many cakes. So I know how to decorate cakes, but vegan and gluten-free baking, forget everything you know and just do the opposite, basically. Um, Big shout out to Bob's Red Mill. Uh, It's a brand that is certified gluten-free. They make it really easy with their one-to-one baking flour. That's what I use in all of my baked goods. Um, You can easily swap out any recipe with their gluten-free flour. Um, Butter is a whole thing. Um, Over the pandemic, supply issues, I have had to change butter so many times, and we're soon going to be changing it again because the brand that I'm using now, Flora, um, isn't distributing anymore. So finding butter that's also soy free, um, prices have skyrocketed. Uh, Earth Balance soy free is over seven dollars a box right now. So that's four sticks of butter for I think it's seven oh six right now, which is crazy. You can get like cow butter for like a dollar, mm-hmm. two bucks. Um, so baking, really just experimenting. 
and failing a lot <laughs> and wondering why something worked one time and then the next time it didn't. Humidity, like there's so many things that go into the end product and why it comes out the way it does. There's so much. I can't even begin to <laughs> open my, my knowledge of vegan gluten-free baking without nuts and soy. It is. It's a lot. It is very impressive. And I can't even believe, you know, when you brought it up, I didn't mention butter is one of the things that you can't, or yeah. at least normal butter that you can't use. Yeah, that's kind of important in baking. It's even, in like everything. <laughs> even sugar. Did you, did you know? No. Did you know? You, you can't use sugar? So sugar is processed with bone char. The more you know. So Wow. I, yeah, like white sugar is processed. That's why it's so white is it's processed with bone char. Um, which comes from animals, which makes it not vegan. Um, so I specifically use vegan sugar, which costs a lot too. I was impressed a minute ago before <laughs> I knew about this whole sugar thing. Now my mind is blown. And as I pick it up off the floor, I would love to just have you kind of like walk me through a dish. Like say say you guys, like for the Asian pop-up you did recently, you did a mushroom ramen. So obviously... Um, you know, vegan, gluten-free, uh, nut-free, everything. How do you decide we want to make a ramen dish, but obviously, it, you know, it has to meet all these requirements. What's the R&D process that goes into that? How many times are you testing it? Like, are you getting other people's opinions? Just take me like, from when you conceptualize that idea, what happens to get it to the finish line where you feel comfortable serving it to the so public? This is where I need him because I'm like, let's do this. Oh, wait, can we find that? Does it, <laughs> does it exist? How much work is it going to take? Matt has this huge smile on his <laughs> so face. So right I'm now. like, yeah. And he's like, let's think about this. She has, uh, to her credit, she hasn't failed at it yet. But she has a tendency of writing out a menu before I just never make done stuff something. up. <laughs> I swear. And I just figure it out, and it always comes out really good. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I'm astonished as anybody else. It hasn't failed yet, but uh, a little more off the cuff than I normally like to be. Um, but I think that's just more credit to her talent and her mental resolve with a lot of things, especially our, like the limitations we have to work with sometimes. Mm -hmm. But right now we're in a period, I think where we've agreed we're kind of done with experimenting at mm -hmm. least for pop-ups and stuff. We're still going to do like taster boxes with new flavors and for baked goods, but for pop-ups it's, we're going to work on fine tuning some of our, Already our, successful yeah, our, menus. Or classics, you could say, or uh, favorites. Mm -hmm. Work on getting that to people in a timely manner. So give me an example of one of those times where Stacy writes a menu out and Matt, you're just like, oh boy, I don't know how we're going to do this one. But then it came out super well. Like, what is, what's, a, what's one that pops to the front of your mind of one that you're just like really proud of? First one, probably the ramen. That's a very 
gluten-free ramen Very, noodles uh, don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> they don't um, exist. We had to use like black rice noodles, mm-hmm. which aren't technically ramen noodles, but um, it's close it enough. Works. It was delicious. Yeah. I didn't yeah. care. <laughs> However, that one wasn't so much as the the food preparation aspect as it was getting all those ingredients together, nice, fresh, hot to give everybody a nice, fresh, hot. I was like morel broth. It's not morel season. (laughs) (laughs) How do you make that work then? The Asian market. Bless the Asian market. Oh, the Asian market. Mm -hmm. That place is just a treasure trove. Yeah. And Asian food is like never gluten-free. Soy sauce has gluten in it. Um, So even if a a restaurant offers uh, gluten-free soy sauce, it's always just like packets. And there's absolutely no way that that could be um, promised as gluten-free in the same equipment, in the, in the same space. There's no way that that could be gluten-free. So doing an Asian menu is a bold move. It worked. Bold is what <laughs> you guys do, though. Yeah. It's, um, I would imagine that you get a lot of customers, and especially like doing pop-ups, you get to interact with the public a lot. There's not a wall between you and the customer, but you're actually taking their order and serving them and getting to converse with them. I would imagine you get a lot of comments where someone maybe eats your food and then comes and says, thank you. I haven't been able to have X, like a bur- I haven't had a burger in eight years, or I- I've never been able to have ramen like this because you know i have a gluten allergy what is it like to get comments like that the my heart is so in this business like i can't even explain how much i love what i do she gets that twice a week yeah messages nice messages or reviews i get book messages of i haven't i haven't had a cake since i was six years old i have 52 food allergies can you help me like, just the, I love helping people and also feeding people. Food is my love language. So if I'm able to make something for someone that um, maybe brings back, like, a nostalgic memory um, or is, like, a family tradition, um, my kolaches. You got to have my kolaches. Okay. Do you know what a kolache is? Of course I know what a kolache is. Kolaches are awesome. So kolaches are, are a lot of different things. Do you have them fruit-filled or savory-filled? Fruit. Okay. So I grew up making kolaches with my grandma. Kolaches traditionally have like one whole egg yolk per batch of 12. Like it's a lot of eggs and a lot of butter. They are not vegan whatsoever. (laughs) Um, And kolaches were one of the first things that I was able to bring from my childhood into vegan gluten-free. My grandma helped me develop a recipe over like three months and we, we finally have a vegan gluten-free kolache. I love that. Yeah. And, I, and I love that you describe food as your love language because you've been very transparent on social media that, yes, owning your own business is awesome. It's also a huge struggle with a lot of hours because you're the one who has to answer everything. You're the one who has to do everything. Like, th- there's no one to tell you how to do something or to motivate you. It's all on you but i imagine in those moments when you're really just like god is this even worth it it's like those message messages that you get those have to be the things that just keep you going right absolutely i walked into the kitchen this morning and i had a really rough morning walked into the kitchen and uh one of the chefs has like an intern prep cook 
never met the guy in my life. And he was like, hey, I was really sad you ran out at your pop-up. Me and my girlfriend were coming. We're not vegan or anything. We just really like your food. And he went on about, like, he doesn't like mushrooms or tofu, but he's had both of my mushrooms and tofu, and he loved them. And when's your next pop-up? And I was just like, thank you. I needed that motivation today. (laughs) We kind of, we pretty regularly experience what you might call the opposite of that too, which is just kind of bad experiences where it's just so very clear that it's only due to lack of care or lack of interest. And it's like, we just got stuck with a bad experience over it. Like somebody's skeptical about trying tofu mm-hmm. because they've only had bad tofu. Right. Yeah. Tofu isn't supposed to taste like a bland sponge. It's supposed to have flavor and good texture and we, yeah, we do get that a lot that people are like, I don't like tofu. Just hold on. Just wait a minute. Let me fix you some food. Well, I think, you know, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, a lot of restaurants aren't serving great vegan food. So even if someone tries it, if they are willing to go outside the box, they're not necessarily having a great experience. And then that's just stuck in their mind going forward is just vegan food is not for me. I don't want tofu. I don't like mushrooms, whatever it might be. When they just haven't had it prepared properly, how important is it to you guys to break down those barriers that just say gluten-free baking is bad or uh, vegan food is bland? Like, it has to just be like you guys' mission to be like, no, that's wrong. Well, the food speaks for itself most of the time. Uh, Anybody that I think that we've got their attention is at least going to try a bite. I'm a really big advocate for local, and yes, I'm vegan. Yes, I'm going to go to a restaurant that's not vegan, that has a vegan option, because I want that to stay on their menu. And I've developed a really good relationship with lots of local business owners that have vegan items on their menu. I'll try them, and I'll let them know what I think. Hey, you could do this this differently, or try this instead, or you got to season this better. Um, we've, we've had a lot of, um, good feedback, good relationships built over vegan options at non-vegan restaurants. Mm -hmm. Omaha is really, really good about vegan options. There's so many. What are some other ones that we can highlight? there's so many. (laughs) You mean highlight regular restaurants with an option? Yeah. We really liked Barchin for a long time. Um... It's just a Beyond Burger, but, like, the cheese they had on it was really, or they have on it is really nice. Um, Every place at Flagship Commons at Westroads has a vegan option. They do, like, a dollar off on Thursdays. A curry in a hurry. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, have you guys ever had Little V's? Yeah. <sighs> I love his stuff. Back in the day when he was serving from his house. Yeah. Oh, you, you got in on the ground floor, like, all before he's back. even at the switch. <laughs> yes, all the way back. Yeah. Yeah. Canara I, is another good one. Canara. Oh, my gosh. Canara, their jackfruit biryani is ridiculous mm-hmm. in all the right ways. Yeah, yeah we, don't, we don't suffer from not eating out. We <laughs> eat out a lot. I love supporting local, those options. If, if nobody's buying them, they're not going to stay on the menu. Right, right. That's, that's good. That's very important. So... Okay, back into the backstory here. You're 
you're working at Cold Stone. You're giving out these meal kits to to teenagers, <laughs> at, and then you start working at Modern Love. Like, at what point does veg edible like start to form in your mind? Where maybe this is more than just something I'm doing to help these kids, or maybe it's more than even just being a front of house job. But this could be like my business. So the pandemic hit, and uh, Mother's Day of 2020 rolled around, and there was a giant catastrophe at Modern Love, and I got welcomed to quit. That's probably a point where I was like, yeah, I don't want to work for anyone anymore. I've got this concept floating in the back of my head for the last couple of years. People know about it. People are asking me um, questions. People are asking me to meal prep weekly for them. I have the clientele. I have the interest. How do I start a business? I had no idea. It took me like six months to actually do it because it's scary. There's not like a how to start a business.com. Can't just read how to start a business for no, dummies. They don't make it <laughs> They don't make it easy and it's for a good reason, you know. People shouldn't just be starting businesses if they're not into it and educated. Um there's way more than I could ever imagine and I'm still learning lots of things. Um we're in Council Bluffs, Iowa, so I'm licensed in two states. Double the amount of paperwork, taxes and permits and like so much stuff. But I can never see, I never see myself going back to a regular job um, as much as I miss playing restaurant and having guests and serving people hot plates of food. I miss that a lot. We'll get there. We're just not there quite yet. I just can't go back to working for someone else and telling me like my ideas aren't worthy and this is corporate oh i'm glad that you found the freedom to express yourself and clearly it's working so you you mentioned when veg edible kind of was in its early stages the cooking was just happening in the apartment yeah (laughs) how did you get hooked up with kitchen council so my good friend jesse moore at the chamber we went to high school together and uh he responded to one of my Facebook posts that I was just poking around asking, like, how do I do this, like, legally? <laughs> the health department not knocking on my door. Um, he suggested Kitchen Council, and I had never heard of it. I had um, dipped into all of the um, commissary kitchens in Omaha, Bellevue. There are quite a few. The price just wasn't right. The equipment wasn't right. The space just didn't, you know, I didn't want a key for rent. I needed guidance. And that's what Kitchen Council does. Um, Holly Benson, the director of Kitchen Council, walked me through everything. Every permit, every, like, all the stuff. She was your how to start a business for dummies book. Basically, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Kitchen Council is a startup program for entrepreneurs. Um, that's what I needed. I had the food experience. I did not have the business experience. So maybe like what are just some examples of what she told you, what she showed? I mean, I'm sure we could 
Phil, a two-hour podcast probably answering that question, but maybe a few of the most important things. Um, setting up like a tax ID number and getting an LLC and getting licensed as a, a food uh, distributor, um, where to get food from, catering license, um, taxes, uh, serve safe, like so many things. So many things I just would ask questions and she would respond with all the information I needed and the script of how to write it and who to send it to and how to pay and just kind of a here's how to start a business with Kitchen Council. So you're working, you're operating on a Kitchen Council. What was your first like public event? Like Veg Edible is real. It's out here. This is a Veg Edible event. Here we go. So the last non-legal one was the fish fry from my grandma's porch, (laughs) fishless fry. The first official pop-up was dandelion, and then two days at the switch, I jumped in real hard. We booked the, the dandelion Friday, then the switch Saturday, and the switch Sunday, and I learned everything I shouldn't ever do again. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Uh, don't fill the fryer so high. Uh, don't blow the fuse box. It's uh, a good one. Show up early to clean. <laughs> so many things. So, so many things. Um, that was our big debut as Veg Edible and... We blew up. We actually did. Guess how many pop-ups we did last year? Last year. I'm I'm thinking. I'm not just going silent on you. Not technically a whole year. So from March to December. 30? 56. 56? 56 (laughs) pop-ups. That's one a week. More than one a week. Sometimes we did. That's fantastic. We were popping up at like coffee shops and like all over the place, any place that would allow us like a six foot table space and a power outlet basically. Well, that, that is something that I noticed going back through your Instagram is you guys have been everywhere. I mean, you mentioned you did pop up, pop ups at Dandelion, pop ups at the switch. Also Zen coffee, Deanna's tea shop, Oasis falafel, white Elm brewing company. This, these were just like a couple of your Instagram posts. I mean, if I listed them all, we'd be here for an hour. Like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, but that's kind of what you have to do as a young business, right? Like you have to take any opportunity to get your name out there and you just got to hustle and say, you know what? Yeah. Today we're popping up in a coffee shop We're whatever needs to happen, we're just going to do it. I mean, that's kind of the life of a pop-up, right? Yeah. And I have to be honest, we didn't make money for like, uh, eight months. We didn't make money. I had no idea what I was doing. We bought too much food, didn't sell it. Vice versa, could have made more money if I bought more food. Uh, so many things. But I kept at it and kept bringing people the food that they wanted. Um, I would take polls on Instagram, like, what do you guys want to eat? I'll make it. Um, just come to this pop-up. Um, we both did DoorDash in between for the like the first year um because it it wasn't just like money in the bank overnight mm-hmm. ever i've worked a couple different kitchen jobs as well during that time mm-hmm. but now i'm just doing this we're both just full-time now 
finally making money. Going back to those first couple of weeks and maybe even months when most of the public is experiencing veg edible for the first time. And like we've mentioned, there's a lot of bad vegan food out there. So maybe this is the first time somebody's having like good vegan food. What was the feedback that you would get from people? Even people like, you know, we, we talked about the the awesome people who, you know, haven't been able to have cake for since they were six years old or whatever. But even people like me, people who don't have dietary restrictions, aren't vegan, what kind of comments were you getting from them? Well, maybe one of the toughest customers, my best friend, Dan, and the first couple times we gave him our breakfast burritos, he's like, this is real egg and sausage. You're you're playing a prank on me right now or yeah. something. And he's, a, he's definitely a meat eater, you know, but... Just those, you're kidding me. This is vegan. And that's just been kind of a recurring thing and kind of the inspiration to keep going with these just make it vegan things, you know, with our like house-made sausage patties or other things we just kind of make from the ground up. I think the hardest thing getting started was gaining trust from people. If you have a food allergy, nobody makes your food. You make your food. You bring your own snacks. I personally accidentally consumed dairy twice over the last weekend. I ordered food from an all-vegan food truck. Turns out it wasn't because they didn't check the ingredients. And I've been, I was sick for three days. I'm like just now starting to feel normal again today. So that hurt my trust. And I just have a dairy allergy. It's not like an anaphylactic reaction. I'm not going to die if I have dairy. But nut allergies and people that have celiac, that is way more serious. And gaining people's trust, I can't. Tell you how many times I have had to say it was my slogan for a minute. Yes, it's all vegan. Yes, it's all gluten free. I check everything. I triple check ingredients. I reach out to manufacturers if I need to. All of the ingredients are listed on my website. I am so very transparent with what's in the food and how it's handled. Gaining that trust now, I have so many regulars that know that they can come to me and eat a meal and feel great. And what is that like Mm. for you to be able to provide that? Finally, (laughs) finally, I, I know how much it means to people to want to go out for like an anniversary dinner or have a, a birthday cake and they know that they're safe eating anything from veg edible with any of their allergies or intolerances. Uh, there's something that I absolutely have to ask you about, and that is in June, Kitchen Council hosted celebrity chef David Burke, who has all kinds of restaurants. He's been on Top Chef Masters. I mean, if you're a food fan at all, if you would recognize this guy if you saw a picture of him, and you had the chance to cook for him, before we even get into the details of what you made or anything like that just what was that experience like for you to be able to cook for someone of that caliber people ask me this all the time that's like a memory that sticks out in people's head 
I still can't believe that that happened. I fed a chef that is known for serving things alive. He's not vegan at all. He's known <laughs> He's for He's anti-vegan, ser- yeah. He's anti-vegan. He serves like live uh like little crabs on the side of the plate or like things that are still squirming. Not my vibe. And we got like two days heads up from That's Kitchen Council. It. Yeah, they were like, by the way, uh Chef David Burke is gonna be here. Do you wanna cook for him? And they picked like three of us to participate. And I immediately knew what to make for him. Okay, how? So you made a fried chicken bacon ranch sandwich with maple tamari Brussels sprouts. How did you know that was the dish? He's a carnivore. Mushrooms mimic meat so well. And um, local mushrooms, I've got a couple plugs that pump out the best mushrooms terra firma terra firma fungi um also exist green in dundee gets lots of uh specialty mushrooms and spices and spices yeah i knew with our chicken batter i could satisfy his carnivore taste buds I knew I knew immediately that that was what I was going to make. So take me through that day. Where where are your nerves as you're preparing this? As you're setting that plate down and he's picking it up and biting into it, like what's running through your head? Just anything that you remember, especially from that day, just unload it. Go. So the night before, I wanted to source everything locally. That's like a huge aspect of my mission: fresh, local, know where it's from. I stomped into Exist Green, and I was like, Lee, help me. I'm serving Chef David Burke tomorrow. And she was like, I got you. Smoked salt, oyster mushrooms. Here's these Brussels sprouts. And I got all my all of my ingredients for local. Super awesome. And he ate it up. I was like, these are from there, and this is from here. And he was just like, this is all, like, local to plate and we were we were cooking for him he was running like 15 minutes late thank goodness because I was running 15 (laughs) minutes late and it was like it was just like the show it was like okay you have two hours go and I'm like cooking up a storm we had to make two of the exact same plate one for him to taste and one for photos and I'm like plating the Brussels and he walks in, doesn't even like blink. He's at my table. What do you got? And he's like drilling me. What is this? How'd you make this? What are the seasonings? Where's this from? Like very nerve wracking. Didn't even like introduce himself or anything. He was, he picked up my sandwich and ate the whole thing right there. Even though he had two other plates. Yes. <laughs> He was only supposed to spend like five, ten minutes with each participant. He spent like twenty with my with me and like was mind blown. And the only criticism he gave me, which whatever, (laughs) is if you're serving a sandwich, 
right? You eat a sandwich with your hands. The side that you're serving with it should also be able to be ate with your hands. So like burger and fries, right? Like you eat fries with your hands. The Brussels sprouts that I made, um, they were like fried Brussels sprouts in like a maple syrup, tamari, umami, bomb, like glaze. You had to use a fork. So you're biting into the sandwich. You got to set the sandwich down to pick up your fork to eat the Brussels. That was his only criticism. <laughs> so we're not allowed to have salads or what What about a pulled pork sandwich? Can I not have baked beans with that? Like, what are we doing here? I think he just had to say something. He had to say something critical. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, there were three uh, chefs who were kind of participating. Was it a competition or like kind Kind of. There was like a, I got like a hundred dollar Hy-Vee gift card. Oh, there you so go. Like, I didn't even know there was really going to be a prize. It was more like bragging rights and a photo op. Right. Because he picked your dish out of the three. And like you said, we're talking about like the meat eaters, meat eater, and he's picking the vegan dish out of the three. What did that do for your confidence? For me, I was hands off that day. It was kind he of. He was a, just there for like moral support. It like was, it was supposed to just be me like cooking the food. For me, it felt like kind of a culmination of things, like little habits that I've kind of drilled into Stacy over the years. That you know, just like small things that come together to build a good dish, something worthy to serve somebody that's going to look at it very critically. And he was coaching me. I'm very picky when I'm cooking and like, I need, I need it to be done right. If my name is on it and Stacy has a tendency to just kind of run through things, <laughs> but they always turn out nice. And, but that thing, and that instance in particular was like, okay, wow, these skills have really come together to make something special. And it was just really nice to see. So we had a gluten-free bun by Rotella's. Rotella's makes a vegan gluten-free bun that's only available to people that have an account. If you buy their gluten-free items in a grocery store, they're going to have egg in them. So I have access to vegan gluten-free buns, and they are phenomenal. Rotella's, Rotella's, they make bread. Classic. They make great yep. bread. We are so lucky to have them. Um, I did a really dilly ranch um, with vegan mayo, like so dilly, like chewy dilly. I like ranch that way. Wow. Yeah. Um, the fried oyster mushrooms um, has like 15 different spices in the batter. We have a dedicated fryer as well. That's a you know an issue with cross contact with allergens. Uh, really crispy, really meaty. We did um, fresh butter lettuce from the urban, the urban restaurant down in the old market that has the hydroponic. Oh, gather. Gather. Mm -hmm. So we had greens from gather, um, local tomatoes. I think that was all on the sandwich. Oh, and mushroom bacon. Mushroom bacon. Mushroom bacon. Yeah, chicken bacon ranch. Wasn't the syrup also? Mm -hmm. From Exist Green? Yeah, the maple syrup was local as well. Uh, mushroom bacon. So we, we take 
mushrooms, slice them, soak them in like liquid smoke and maple syrup and gluten-free soy sauce and smoked salt, whole bunch of stuff and basically let it reduce and it oh it's so good. Sounds phenomenal. <laughs> it's so good. I am not it at all surprised like that he loved it. Yeah. So I as we wind down here, I, I gotta know, I mean, and there's probably not a good answer to this question because Veg Edible has evolved so much in such a short time and you're and you're constantly making pivots. You even you had an Instagram post where you said, I jokingly say my middle name is Pivot. So this answer could change in the next month. But like, what do you see next for Veg Edible? I think earlier you mentioned, you know, maybe a brick and mortar at some point, but just kind of how do you see the business evolving and, and where would you like it to go? We worked on a brick and mortar for about eight months and our investors ditched us because we wouldn't serve egg. <laughs> mm. Why were they so even like thinking about investing? Did they not understand the business model? Such a waste of time. Um, so brick and mortar, maybe not the right direction for us anymore, just with how things are in the world right now. Everything's still a little weird mm-hmm. and it's hella expensive. It's so expensive. We are very comfortable where we are at Kitchen Council. We enjoy our freedom. Get our bills paid doing what we do. Um, and seeing everyone else around us kind of struggle, even fantastic concepts and menus and chefs like staffing, can struggle with staffing supplies, and other things. All of the constant problems of having a brick and mortar. It would be great. I would love that, but I just really don't see that in our immediate future right now. Um, we are loving the new chef around the block pop-up shop at Midtown Crossing, Mm -hmm. that is something I can get down with. Um, We're actually going to be doing Italian night, October 23rd from 5 to 9, I believe. Uh, So we're going to have lasagna, uh, chicken alfredo, side salads, some baguettes, um, Italian food. So I think renting his space allows us to play around with menus, and still have that, like, one-on-one customer interaction, um, see people dining in. Um, I I think that's a good move for us right now. He has everything we need to do a pop-up there, and... It's a great location. It's a great location. Such a great location. It's a beautiful space. You can eat inside or outside. Um, I guess you guys could speak more to like the status of the kitchen, but everything looked really clean. Looked like you had all the supplies you needed. Everything was great. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really cool new concept. I'm actually going to be having Dan on the podcast soon, so I can't wait to talk to him more about it. But just it's very new. So if you're listening and hearing about this for the first time, go to Midtown Crossing. And check out the different pop-ups that are coming out of this place because there's some really cool food. And it's a great place for for young concepts to kind of get a chance to prove whether their concept has legs. Or, hey, do I really want to do this? Or maybe they're a little bit on the fence and then they get a chance to do a pop-up and they get that rush. They get that feeling. And I think, you know, what you guys have experienced where sometimes you can get kind of beat down by the bureaucracy and just all the... You know, the the taxes, the paperwork, the red tape and everything. But when you get that interaction with the customers who are just so happy and who are saying, I haven't been able to have this or I've never had vegan food that's good. 
that's what keeps you coming back. And I'm just so glad you guys have gotten a chance to experience that. And I'm so glad that you came on the podcast today and just were able to not only talk about your experience, but kind of, I hope, break down some barriers for people who don't think that gluten-free food can be good or don't think vegan food can have flavor. I have experience it like that's not true i know that now so thank you for the hard work that you guys have put in thank you for coming on the show today this was a blast to get to talk to you thanks omaha as always thanks for eating with us a media production